up everybody welcome to too much information with sean arnold this is sean arnold and i will say my name one more time sean arnold we are now on to episode four i think not nearly episode 4612 which is how many podcasts my guest has done in his career so far but joining me uh this evening is my friend and my inspiration my muse jeremy lopez what's up dude hey man how's it going it's going really uh really well um, I don't know if I want to hug you or slap you for uh <laughs> for me going down this road, but it's been a it's been a really good time. Well, uh, dude, I, I would have to say, and I think I've told you this already. Welcome to the obsession <laughs> that is podcasting and getting to basically have your own soapbox on the on the internet. It's uh it's lovely. It's an addiction, um, and sometimes it will completely consume your thoughts during the day. So is this is this going to be weird for you? Like when all of a sudden, I mean, not that it's any different, because I mean, usually when you and I do this, we just sort of jam and it's not, you know, but being sort of not the host. Is that strange? Um, You know, I've been on a few other podcasts. I got I got some buddies um, that were already doing podcasts when I had uh, started up uh, my my current iteration of uh, Lopez Radio. But, uh, you know, I've had a couple others that like you got in, got influenced or inspired, I guess, to start their own thing. And it's not weird at all. It's actually it's actually easier for me just because, like, now I'm not like trying to figure out how to keep the wheels rolling on the show. It's not, it's, you know, it's it's on the host. So I can kind of come in here and and uh, have fun with it. Dude, you're like the Moses of podcasts. Like the Moses? I don't know about you're that. You're leading people to the promised land. Like every time people come in, you got you got convincing them they need to do podcasts. <laughs> I I mean, I don't know about Moses, but <laughs> I do tell people, you know, it's 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 probably the easiest way to uh, express yourself. I mean, you can do it with minimal stuff. I mean, hell, if you even if you didn't buy any kind of fancy equipment or uh, or anything like that, you could do it with your phone. Like it's so easy. It's just literally a voice recorder. Of varying qualities, we've all heard, you know, different <laughs> quality podcasts. But it's it's a voice recorder, and you record your thoughts. And sometimes you have people come on and talk some crazy shit with you, and uh, I, I I enjoy that the most. Like that's that to me, sitting around and just bullshitting with people is, is so fun. And also this, because what you probably just heard there, slightly in the background, um, when y'all are listening to this, is my recording area that I've set up is right above our garage, and my wife just came home, so I. I just get that's the rumbling of the garage door opening and closing. If you're if y'all are all hearing that right now, and now the dogs are barking, and I'm just I'm running a class outfit over here. That's just what I'm saying. <laughs> I tell you what's great is I couldn't hear anything on this end, but like you'll you'll realize as you go as you do more and more, you get more a little more casual with it. I used to be really like really I guess uh, anal retentive about my show. I'd be like doors closed. I've got an on-air light outside my door. I turn that on. <laughs> Everybody just calm down. Now it's just like the door's open. The dogs are walking in and out. People are just wandering through the through the room. And I just, I finally let go of that obsession of 
if the on on air lights on, you cannot make a sound around here. But uh, I finally got over that. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it it is weird how you though like if you really like it, because I agree, you can do it with anything. Like the first one I did, I did with a USB mic plugged into my laptop, recorded, you know, really simple. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, I got the bug, and I was like, well, it could sound better. <laughs> I was like, what do I need for that? I'm like, oh, this is only 120 bucks, and this is only 150 bucks, and then you go down that road. But before we go, I always forget to do this. So if you guys want to find me on Twitter, it's at Sean, A-T-L, S-H-A-W-N-A-T-L. If you want to find Jeremy, it's at Lopez Radio on Twitter, L-O-P-E-Z-R-A-D-I-O, and it's LopezRadio.com. I got all that right, correct? That's right. That's correct. Um, so <clears throat> here's the other thing, too. Dude, where you been? Like you been have you been like on like you know social media like we haven't gotten an episode in a while like you've been you've been vacationing you've been chilling what you been up to? I mean I've been I've been crazy busy and just you know we we've been we've had quite a few small trips lately and I just haven't gotten around to recording an episode and it's kind of driving me crazy and I just just realized I appreciate the plugs I appreciate all that stuff I just went to my website and I realized that. Uh, I got a new debit card and the payment didn't go through last month. So oh, LopezRadio.com so is, is way down right now. Russians. <laughs> maybe right. by the time this airs, maybe by the time someone listens to it, it'll be back up and going. I was just kind of like, oh, I'm having a mini panic attack right this second. <laughs> I'm good. Russian, I'm good. Russians. Just Russia, tell everybody yeah. it's the Russians. Yeah. That's that the damn Putin. That's the that's the uh, avant garde thing to do now is just blame the Russians. Oh my goodness! Um, but, uh, yeah, I've, I've I know I've been MIA. That probably if I had been more on top of things, I probably would have realized that I don't have a website right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's 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 just um, I don't know. I've been obsessed with it, and I think sometimes though the the good thing about a podcast is, you, is since it's your thing, you can take a little time off if you need to. I feel like sometimes I do need to have like not a giant sabbatical, but like you need to go live a little bit of life. So you have something worth talking about. Yeah. And so, and so I'm up to, I don't know, 240 something episodes on the podcast right now. That's wild. And, you know, I had one of my friends on, this is probably, I don't know, 30, 40 episodes back. And he's like, you're up to that many. Like, how is there that many, many things to talk about is what he asked me. And I was like, I don't know, man, you You just keep talking. You know, somebody asked me, said that too. It's like, you know, and at first I think your gut reaction is to go, yeah, I guess you kind of would run out of things to talk about. But here's the thing. I've been talking for what, 30, 38, 39 years. Mm-hmm. Like I still have stuff to say. So, you know, <laughs> I've been married for 10. I mean, I occasionally get the repeat story, but you know, for the most part, it's all new content. <laughs> Coming yeah, from I mean, it, and it's, you know, podcasting is interesting because you can really go anywhere with it unless unless you have a very niche podcast, which there's some very successful ones out there. But if you have a general, we're going to sit around and talk podcast like that's 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 the best way, because if you if you got something on your mind, you just kind of let it go and you you go with that direction. Like, I, I don't know what I would do if I was tied down to one subject. I'd be going crazy and finding any reason to take that one subject into like. Well, UFC fighting's a lot like fishing because I'm ta- thinking about fishing right now. <laughs> yeah, you know? then that's that is. I mean, and I well, but also too, I think I've I've sort of elected to go the route you've gone, where it's where it's long form, 
Mm-hmm. So that's part of the thing, because really when you get into a lot of the niche type podcasts, they're not an hour and a half, two hours. I mean, you know, they're 20 minutes, you know, mm-hmm. so think about like a me and you podcast is like 12 episodes of like a regular podcast because we end up talking from like eight o'clock until like four in the morning or whatever it is. So yeah, I got I, I got some podcast friends that are just like, dude, you got some of these three hour podcasts. You could break it up into part one and part two. And that's two weeks there. I was like, yeah, but what we're talking about might be old by the next weekend. You, I mean, hell, by the time, most times I'm talking about something with people and I release it, it's two days later. It's not even relevant because whatever we were talking about has been decided or the two people I'm talking about in an MMA fight have fought and I'm an, I sound like an idiot. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's, um, but you know, my, the pushback I got was a lot of the, like, people aren't going to listen for that long. And, and I, I almost, I challenged that, you know, like I just said, because the thing is, is what's awesome about podcasts, especially if you're leveraging a, you know, some kind of service, you know, or whatever. So I've, I'm using Podbean for my hosting mm-hmm. and they have an app, right? So, you know, if you have the app on your phone, you know, it stops where you stop. You can pick it up later. You know, you can listen to it, whatever, and you can basically cut it up yourself. I, I just don't, I don't know. I, I feel like I should, you should give listeners more credit. You know, then like the people are like attention spans, man. People are just not, and maybe there are, but to me, like the format matters. I mean, part of this, at least while I'm doing mine, which may be a little bit different than your mission is, <coughs> excuse me, I do want to ex- sort of explore with the people that I talk to about certain things, like, you know, not necessarily current events and that sort of thing, but about them, right? We're talking about them uh, and what's relevant, like with Kenny, uh, you know, my last guest who's won a Tony award for best director and, you know, he's a, he's a black theater director and, and, in a very not black world. And, you know, we talked about race and just a lot of stuff. So that's pretty evergreen. You know I mean? It, it, we didn't really get into any super, um, you know, like you see the news today kind of stuff. Uh, and yeah. that, and at least for right now, for my first pass. Now, if I get to episode 200, when obviously you start repeating guests and stuff, I mean, that's sort of when you you'll get more into like, let's just rap because, you know, you've already done, I've already talked to Kenny about directing and winning the Tony and, you know, all that stuff. So if I want to talk to him again, like, I mean, there's no point in re retilling that soil, you know, so. Well, um, and I like what you said there, like giving the, giving the listener some credit and get, and it's kind of like when I see a movie, let's talk about something like Hell or High Water from last year, mm, right? Good movie. Huh? Good movie. Great movie. Great yeah. movie. And what I liked about that movie was they gave the audience credit. They didn't spoon feed everything to them. They kind of let you figure it out as the movie went along. And I think podcasting can be like that too. Like people, especially I think our age and younger, which is probably, you know, most of the people who are going to be listening um, to something like this, like they understand that there's a pause button. They also know that when they turn their, (laughs) when they turn their car off, the podcast stops and you can just pick it up right where it was before. It's just like listening to a book on tape. You're not going to tell, you're not going to tell, you know, uh, audible that they can't have a book longer than longer yeah, than 30 four, minutes, four hours to read this 300 page book. Well, that's just a waste of time. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> so dumb. why would I do that? I've synop- done it several times. Can you, you just know, give it's... me the synopsis in eight minutes. <laughs> like uh, your movie analogy is great. I'll tell you another movie that just cause I have had this argument with four people since I've is, have you seen nocturnal animals? I have not. Oh my gosh, dude. Put that on the list. I'm writing it down right now. Um so we can't get into the details because I don't want to ruin the experience for you, but the the only thing I'll say to warn you is it is it's complex. Mm-hmm. Right? It's it's a 
there's a metaphor inside of a metaphor and you know it, there's there's stuff going on and the theme of the film is pretty simple but it, but the story is complicated and you know i just i cuz i went on and raved about it because i love like those sort of cerebral you know kind of movies and you know nothing blows up there's no you know it's it's just it's really about this relationship or these relationships and uh you know people are like it's oh that movie it's terrible it's you know i'm like well and they're like i had to i'm like well it's not commando like like i get it right like i understand and if that's not your bag that's cool but the filmmaker is giving you a lot of credit right when someone makes a movie that complex the filmmaker is giving you a lot of credit that you're going to not only pay attention but you're going to be able to keep up and if you don't want to or can't then that's not a filmmaker failing that's you failing (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, and and just like with any form of media or anything that you're taking in, I mean, it's either for you or it's not. And if if you didn't get it, then maybe he didn't make that movie for you. He made it. He made it more so, hopefully, for himself. Yeah, you know. But uh, you know, there, there's just things that people don't get. There's music I don't get that that maybe you do, and vice versa. So it's 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 very it's very much the uh, eye of the beholder, I guess you could say. And I've always looked at podcasting that way. It's like, look. You're either going to be into it or you're not. You're either going to like what I have to say or you won't. Um, and, you know, there's you have so many other choices. Please go find one that suits you. You know, it's, <laughs> I've always told people that I don't you don't have to listen to me. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> and there are literally a million <laughs> choices. It's funny, too. Like now, almost my my listening library is just exclusively podcast. I mean, you know what I mean? Like now it's like to and from work. I'm listening to one. Like if I'm just chilling, I'm listening to one. We just got back from the Dominican Republic. I downloaded a bunch so I could listen to them like down when we were down there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's subject matter specific ones and just general ones that I've found. And it's uh, it's a really cool medium, man. It's like I said on my first episode when I talked about why I was doing this, you know, is this podcasting is the Wild West. You know, you can just you can do whatever you want. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those. It's a deep pool. Like you can go as granular on on podcasts as you want. And you can be as general as you want. And. And, you know, there's just a ton of them out there. And really, anybody who doesn't already have, like, I don't know, anybody who's not already, like, a Joe Rogan or somebody who's known, like, you don't get into podcasting to make money. Like, if, if that's great if it comes to you, I guess. But uh, you're doing it more so because you want to. It's really not a thing. I've had I've had friends that were radio buddies of mine. Like, so how do you, how do you start making money in this? Like, when do you... <laughs> do that like I, I don't know do you know i i wish you could tell me because I, I know i've done 200 something episodes but you know i'm doing it sheerly because i like doing it it's a labor of love for sure yeah well to your point i i mean so my wife does one with um a woman named victoria stillwell who's a a dog trainer and she had a television show on animal planet and she had a show in the uk for a while and she has a huge audience and i mean like you're talking about like two hundred thousand downloads per episode wow. and um they get paid yeah. uh but literally like i mean that's not the threshold i mean i think you could do it lower than that but you know they have sponsors you know what i mean like they you know they went out to like companies and are like we're gonna get 200 you know we're gonna do 12 of these and we'll get you know 2.4 million over the course of those 12 so yeah. how much what? do you want for the title bumper <laughs> dude i'd be happy with like 
15 bucks. Come on, pay me 15 <laughs> bucks. I'll push whatever. Greenie bones. I know your dogs love them. How do you buy greenies? And I will say greenies every other sentence if you need me to, if it means there's a paycheck in it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's like, just I'll just cover my hosting fees. That's all I'm looking at. Like, like just my, my $20 a month Podbean account would be yeah. fabulous. <laughs> I also just um, uh, submitted my thing for iTunes today. So that was a fun exercise you you yours is out on itunes right it is on itunes it's on pretty much any podcast medium you can um you can get a hold of it if you just search lopez radio um which i need to check because i think since my hosting is not paid for i might not be, <laughs> you might not be able to download it right now so uh i'll i promise i'll fix that um but yeah hey, you know uh, we the, can we can pause if you want to try to go see if you can pay for your hosting <laughs> no, 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 I've got, I've got it pulled. Trust me, it's sitting at the screen. I will grab it as soon as we jump off here. Um, but the one thing I did learn, and I don't know how true this is, but this might help you out because I didn't know this when I first got approved for iTunes. Apparently, in the first few weeks of uh, of of you being approved for iTunes, if you post as much content as you can, if you can do it multiple times a week, do it. Apparently, the um, something about the way their algorithms work the first few weeks that you're approved on itunes if you post a lot of content it helps you out a lot because it pushes you up and makes you more visible somehow so even oh, if you got to release like a bunch of like mini episodes or something yeah i'm just gonna be like hey everybody it's tuesday we last talked on monday uh i had salad for lunch <laughs> rate, rate review subscribe tmi yeah. pod <laughs> exactly <laughs> Um, yeah, that was actually one of the things that was crazy about Podbean when I got onto Podbean because they also have, you know, their sort of, because it's an app, when you go, it just takes you to like their general, you know, and that's where Rog Rogan's podcast is on there. Um, but like it, I just opened up the app and there was my logo Yeah. in the featured section. And I was like, oh, that's because there's a cookie on my phone or something. And then somebody downloaded the app, and they were like, hey, I opened it up, and your thing was the first thing. And wow. I was like, no way. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Visibility is uh, is key, man. If you can find any way to get a little bit of a foothold. I mean, you know, uh, like I said earlier, it, it's not that you can't get paid doing it. It's the fact that you shouldn't go in expecting to get paid to do it. And uh, that's what I tell anybody that wants to get into it. I was like, look, what you're about to get into is fun, but... Just do it. Do what you like to do because people are going to listen or they're not going to listen. That's the important thing to remember. Yeah, and I have obviously, as we're joking, I have no expectation of this ever generating a dollar. But um, it, it that's not. But again, to your point, that's not why I'm doing it. Sure. Um, and so, you know, that's the huge driver. I mean, I think for me, it's more about like when you talk about people listening, it's kind of like I feel like a lot of the things that, or at least the few I've done so far, are actually pretty interesting. You know, mm -hmm. so. It's probably more of a, I don't even know if it's an ego thing, but it's more of like, hey, you know what? If you give this a shot, I think you'll be entertained. You know, I, th I think you'll dig it. Yeah, it's it's one of those. It's and, and people can tell when you're into it. Like people can tell when you're into what you're doing or if you're just phoning it in. Like you can tell you're a dude who's grown up around all kinds of media and, you know, radio and TV. Like you can tell when someone's phoning it in when they're not <laughs> right. all there. Yeah, I also have a um, a professional interviewer that I'm married to. <laughs> um, so the for after the first couple, you know, I remember the um, we're sitting downstairs, like out on the back porch one day, like after work, and she's like, 
Would you like some constructive criticism? (laughs) (laughs) Which I do, right? Like, I know that I'm not, this is not what I do, you know? So, yes, absolutely. I've had a buddy call me, you know, that, actually, Steve Barnes. You remember Barnes from Barnes, Lily, and Jimmy? Absolutely. He called me, and he goes, man, I just made some notes, and if you don't want to hear them, I'm like, no, dude, of course I want to hear them. Like, I understand this is, that some of this is a skill, I mean, or it's a muscle. Mm -hmm. So over time it'll, it should get a little better. Well, yeah, it'll get, it gets better. And and that's really valuable feedback. A lot of people, that's the other thing. A lot of people don't have that feedback. You've got professional, professional feedback. Come on. That's like, that's priceless. No, of course. I mean, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, and I've, I've, I've sort of, I mean, I think being an athlete in the past, I, I, I sort of tried to be coachable. I mean, that's sort of part of the, part of the deal, but you know, but on the other hand, too, like, you know, it's this, it's this weirdo fine line about I wouldn't want to do anything where it comes off as slick either. You know, like it's like I want to avoid a lot of polish. Because yeah, there's something about I mean, even though I I work hard to make my stuff sound good, like there's something about the underground feeling that you get. Like it's almost like listening to pirate radio where you're just like, yeah. man, this is almost should be illegal. You know, it just feels like it's not. There's some there's something about it that doesn't feel right, you know, and in, in, in a good way. So I don't know. It's it, you don't want it too polished, but you you know, you want it to at least be listenable. There's some people who don't care about the quality. And and if they got that really like airy, tinty, uh, or it sounds like they're kind of underwater in a bathroom. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or if they're they got really sharp S's when yeah. they talk and it just goes right through your ears. <laughs> yeah, I. I there's um that's a but you're right that's a different thing i mean i because i don't i know you record yours live so you've got your setup right where your intro music and everything it's just it, it you get what you get the only editing i do is i add like the bumpers and stuff after the fact but i don't edit any of the middle like even in the one with kenny the other day because i thought about going backwards but i um before we started i'd gotten something to drink and i left my refrigerator door cracked and I came up and got started, and my refrigerator beeps when the doors open, and it yeah. just does three beeps, and it does it like every fifteen seconds, and uh, I just couldn't take it. Like we had been talking for like twenty minutes, and I was like, "Hang on a second, man, my refrigerator's open. I'll be right back." And I'm just <laughs> like, "I'll just cut this out after." But then what was hilarious is I go downstairs, and Kenny is up here with a mic in front of him, and he starts telling like a funny story like about me while I'm out of the room. He's like, okay, Sean's out of the room. And then, you know, and then I came back and he buttoned up and I just left it in because it's, it's hilarious. You know, it's like, I got to go close my fridge. <laughs> and then he just starts talking, you know, when I get out of the room. And I, and I think that's something that, you know, that spontaneity is what helps too. Like, I, I, like you were saying, I like to do what they call live to tape where everything that's mainly because I, I'm really lazy and I want to spend as little time <laughs> as possible in post, I'd rather have everything up front and done, and that way I could just trim the trim the fat on the sides and throw it up there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the spontaneity, and and you don't, and I think the the thing that's beneficial about the long format that I do, that you that you're trying to do here, like it's a real conversation. Like there's just, sometimes there's just some things you would never ever get to if you weren't talking for an hour or two. Yeah, and you, you know. can also hear too, depending on. I mean, I think you're probably at a point now where you've got a pretty steady rotation of guests, you know, because I mean, I listen to your podcast and I'm familiar with most of the players, right? <laughs> um, but even with like the Kenny podcast, again, going back to the to episode three, 
in re-listening to it after the fact, I mean, you could tell that he hit a comfortability point. Uh, you know, at a probably thirty or forty minutes, and the back half really ended up being a lot better. I mean, because it is weird, and it's also probably weird for him because he's actually used to doing interviews with like CBS, you know, yeah. or NBC, or like you know, I mean, the guy, you know, the guy directs like did the Wiz Live and Hairspray Live for NBC, right? So he's a you know he's a legit. And right. here we are in my blue guest room with my makeshift home studio, you know, that I've got set up now. And he's sitting in a, you know, like just a four leg chair with a 58 on a mic stand in front of him, you know. So it was probably odd. But but once we got in the groove, you could definitely feel the you could definitely feel the the whole vibe shift after we'd been talking for a while. Yeah, I mean, that's that's. And, and for the people who are even regulars now on my podcast coming through the first couple times they were on, it was kind of like it's that rocky start of just like, all right. And, and after it's like something clicks, like they're like, oh, you mean we're just talking? It's not like a question answer. They, I don't know what they're expecting sometimes when they sit down, like a new person comes and sits down with me. Um, but sometimes they're just very like reserved and pulled in and then all of a sudden they get comfortable and then everything just that's when the good stuff starts happening and i don't think we would like at least for me like i just can't pick up and start going like you know just like that um i, I just gotta ramp up to it and, and eventually it becomes a normal conversation of back and forth so it, it definitely helps that long format does i mean you don't and you don't get that on like late night talk shows i mean they have a guest on and they eight talk minutes to, yeah, maybe eight minutes. That's about I it. I mean, if you're a star, because that's two segments. Otherwise, right. it's like four or five. Yeah. <laughs> Not everybody's like me, Jeremy. Just first podcast just was just a total home run with you. Out the gate, man. You got some like, things to first say. First time you had me on, you were like, we've been talking for like three hours. You're weird. <laughs> I love it, man. Sometimes that stuff goes by really quick. And, and then sometimes you have people on and it's, man, it's like pulling you know, it's it's just like pulling strings trying to get something out of somebody. And, uh, you know, you take the good, you take the bad, I guess. I've uh, I've re-listened to that first one a few times. Um, mm-hmm. I listened to it again recently. That was a good one. That was a lot of fun, man. We covered and, and some cool ground there. We really did. And, and especially for never really, I mean, we had met each other before, but for never really having a, con- a full conversation um, and just being able to jump into it like that, I mean, you would think that, We've at least, you know, sat around and had beers together before. <laughs> right. Which we still yeah. haven't done, which is a bit of a tragedy. Yeah, uh, we got we to gotta fix that. Uh, and you know what? I will put the link to that episode in the comments when you pay for your website. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so if any of you guys want to hear, and that was sort of, again, that was like my first, that was my first podcast appearance or anything. And so that was kind of the the thing I referenced in episode one was that was sort of the the thing that <clears throat> kicked it off. So well, some um, people just some people just have that gift of gap, and I think that you know, it's probably something that you know some some people just can sit and talk for you know a long, long time, and and that's great. It's good. It's good to have people like that, and you know, it's uh, my other friends that have started their podcast. They've they've got a similar a similar thing where it's like, yeah, if you got some stuff to say, then you've probably got the ability to do a podcast. Um, you know what else I've, I've I think What's I've put my finger on that I that I'm so I'm married to a reporter right mm-hmm. and she is she, her nickname is the Great Explainer yeah that's a true story <laughs> we call her the Great Explainer right because she will 
you know, she can give you chapter and verse, right? Like that's her kind of her deal. Sure. And even though I'm pretty talky, like obviously you would probably say, oh, if you put Sean in a room, he's going to go. But when it's the two of us, which is most of the time, I just usually, you know, kind of let her drive because I don't crave that sort of, you know, I'm fine just listening to her and listening to other people and occasionally sort of. So what's interesting about that is, is I feel like, too, that this sort of is mine and it becomes, a you know, an outlet where I can just let it rip because normally I just elect to, you know, and I will contribute. It's not like I'm just sitting there, but, you know, she's so she's so she's good and at talking and she's in she's funny and you know and so I just am like you know what you just go I'll sit here and I'll drop occasionally if something you know comes to mind but I feel like this has become an outlet for me to just sort of do that because I rarely do that when we're out together yeah it's it's weird when people when I do go and hang out with folks um like my friends or if you know someone I've I've met or talked to on the podcast before they're really surprised because I'm I'm definitely I guess in real life, I don't know how, I don't know any other way to say it. Like when you're hanging out in person, like I'm really not a super talkative dude. Um, I'm more of an observer. I like watching before I'm like, before I get to like really chatty, I usually, especially if I'm in a situation where I don't know a whole lot of people, I will sit back and kind of watch the room and I'll be like, okay, so this person's this, this guy, you know, everybody kind of fits a mold a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. so I'm, I don't know if I'm the same, I'm, I'm the same person. I'm as much myself as I ever am on my own show. Um, but you know, obviously if someone's listening, you can't just sit there and, and observe the room. <laughs> so it's, it's a little bit different. Yeah. I, I got to keep the, keep the words flowing, I guess. It's also sort of, it's also mentally interesting as a construct because there are, I mean, obviously right now, the vast majority of people that are, or probably all the people that are listening to this are my friends. You know what I mean? They're people that know me. Um, well, and I guess, you know, a couple of my guests now, probably people that know them, which may not know me. But it's weird because it's almost an opportunity for you to talk, to just be totally straight with strangers. Like you, you would never walk into a physical, you know, party or a restaurant and just go sit at someone else's table and be like, can you believe what Trump did today? Or can you, you know, what do you think about this movie or how did you, you know what I'm saying? But this is, this is exactly that you're just doing it digitally. It's like, you're just putting it out there. Now in that scenario, you're sort of forcing them to listen, but you know, strangers could conceivably listen to this or people that certainly don't know me. And you know, I would not like, I wouldn't probably have the things I say on here. I certainly would not talk to them about the first time we ever talked probably. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's weird. I, I'm I'm kind of in a position where with the show now, I mean, if you if you go look at the earlier episodes, I had someone different on every time and it was probably a great thing. I think it was a great thing. It just became after a while when I kind of started walking into year three of doing the podcast, I kind of got to where I was like kind of exhausted trying to track people down that <laughs> wanted to be on like and, and I felt weird asking unsolicited you know asking unsolicited uh in an unsolicited way to come onto the show because it's kind of like i, I kind of got to the point where i was like I, if they're not interested in being on the show i really don't want them on the show <laughs> you know it's i don't want to force anybody but uh it is it is a weird thing like after a while you just kind of get tired that's why i kind of i'm glad i got my stable of people that i can bring in and, and have fun with 
Um, but I probably need to get back on asking folks. I need some new blood. <laughs> well, that's one of the things that's interesting about where I'm at in the process now. Like episode four instead of episode four hundred thirty-seven thousand. Mm-hmm. Uh, is I'm still just working through the initial list, right? Like just the whole idea of like I had some people in mind when I decided to do it. Right. I know them. I'm in the process of asking them. People have been, you know, really gracious. What's interesting, though, and maybe I've, you know, not, I don't know if spoiled is the right word, but, you know, doing the third one with someone like Kenny, who is, you know, a pretty notable dude, right? Mm. Um, is there are definitely circumstances now where, like, I'll be on Twitter or something, and I think to myself, I wonder if I just sent them a DM and ask them to be on the podcast. <laughs> Would they do it? Sometimes that works. I've done I've done it before. I've, more will go unlistened. I mean, not unlistened, unanswered than than you might think. But I mean, that's how I got a lot of my guests. That's how I got a lot of the people that uh, that I get on here from Canada. You know, I just said, "Hey, you want to be on the show?" And they're like, "Sure, why not?" <laughs> so it's it's kind of cool. Canadians are very nice. Maybe you they can ask are. Them. Canadians. I need to find some Canadian people to. They feel guilty saying no, so they'll come on your show. Yeah, so I can. Uh, let's see, Dana Carvey, Jim Carrey, uh, Justin Trudeau, who are some. How about if I scored the Prime Minister of Canada? That would be. That would be. A, that would be a good get. That'd be a great. Get. So I'll tell you the one today that you're gonna like. So you're you're from here, right? So you you and even though you, I'm a little older than you, so we'll see, but. So I was on, I was watching, or I was, I was, I think I was on Twitter today and I was looking at my feed and I saw Tony Schiavone. Yeah. Do you know who Tony Schiavone is? I know who Tony Schiavone is. Yeah. The the announcer for WCW, like back when wrestling was, you know, when Ted Turner had the wrestling, he now actually is the, uh, he does, uh, radio announcing for the Gwinnett Braves. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, and man, I just, I was so into that when I was a kid, you know, it was in a base in Atlanta, whatever. And I know s- some people that kind of know him, you know, and, and, and it's not like he's a mega celebrity or anything, but I just, in my head, I was like, oh my God, how fun would it be to talk to Tony Schiavone about like when, you know, Hogan beat Flair at Bash at the Beach in 94 <laughs> you know or like you know one of those things and it's just like I wonder if I sent him a tweet you know but your head starts going down that you know down that road and 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 that's the thing I'm fighting because I know that 99 times out of 100 like those things you know just you're not gonna you're not gonna get people to come on and do that but the, the fantasy Sh- is fun Shivani Shivani's weird because I've won uh, I've wondered that about him too just because I, I watched a lot of WCW in the '90s. I mean, that was me and me and my best friend this past weekend just watched uh, Clash of the Champions ten from 1990 yeah. on the network, and it was just kind of like, wow, this is uh, <laughs> this is nuts to watch all this and just to see how horrible some of the gimmicks were, how bad some of the production was, horrible. stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, you know, I've thought about that too, and I, and from what I understand, because I got a lot of friends who are into wrestling, from what I understand. For the longest time after his time in, you know, WCW and all that stuff was over, he didn't like talking about it because he is so in he was so entrenched in it for so long. But now he's actually going to some of the uh, wrestling, um, what do you call them, conventions and stuff like that, showing up at some of the smaller 
shows and actually talking to people about it. So now might be a good time to nail down Tony Schiavone. So information for you. Yeah. He started a podcast in February really? called What Happened When. And they actually <clears throat> it's him and another guy. I don't I don't know the guy. I think he does like some wrestling podcasts. Yeah. And they're going back event by event. Like pay-per-view by pay-per-view. And he's just telling inside stories and talking about what was going on at the time and all that. They've done like seven or eight episodes. And awesome. yeah, and it, you know, because I heard the same thing. I mean, even on Twitter, you can tell like people kind of troll him about wrestling and he just sort of flames back at him. You know what I mean? And and yeah. I was like, Ugh, he probably didn't want to talk about that. But now he's doing this podcast and I listen to one of them and it's it's hilarious. I mean, because he's funny. He also swears like a madman, which is which is also hilarious because you're just not used to hearing that. That's the way to do it. But it but it was it was cool. You know, I mean, it's interesting just to, you know, to sort of here again it was just a childhood thing but so bottom line is is i'm probably gonna try to find out how to get in touch with tony giovanni and see if i can get on the podcast i was about to say he might you just get just ask the most but the worst he'll say is no you know it'd be but at the best you get to have a dude on and you just get to nerd out yeah. about stuff with him and talk about things that you know even even you know some of the wrestling fans today don't even remember you know it's it's pretty great yeah, so anyways, I mean, it, I just, but but I see that now, I'm like, I wonder, I was such a goob, I took my rig to the Dominican Republic. Really? Like, not my whole rig, I took the snowball and my laptop, <laughs> with just like, okay, what if we meet somebody at the resort, it's really interesting, like I can just put the snowball on a table, and that'll catch both of us, you know what I mean, it won't be like this, but serviceable, you know, a lot like when you use your digital recorder, when you and your wife are driving around or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it's like, and then when I got down there and I got to the hotel and my, my backpack weighed 700 pounds. Cause I had, you know, my carry on had other stuff in there. I was right. like, did I really bring a mic in my laptop? Because I was thinking I might tape a podcast while I'm in the Dominican Republic. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I, of course I didn't, but you know, you know, you do what you gotta do. That's, I took all my pot. So I was down in Orlando this past weekend and I took, uh, I didn't take all my podcast stuff, but I, I took a mic and I took uh, my headphones in case, uh, me and my buddy wanted a podcast cause he's got a, a little bit of a setup down there and we never got around to it, but you, you can never be too prepared, especially <laughs> when you know you think there might be something fun. I can't tell you the amount of times, like it's almost become a running thing on, on my show. Uh, me and me and the wife go somewhere for vacation and we're just like, Oh yeah, we're going to do check-ins and uh and my plan is to like do like 20 minutes here 30 minutes there and then stitch them all together when i get home and just release them as one big episode and we never do it we always say we're going (laughs) to and we we never do it it's like it's like the it's like the most broken promise on lopez radio that's your sorry matt damon we didn't have enough time yeah we didn't we didn't have enough time sorry i don't know what what you want me to do Yeah, I don't, I mean, again, but I mean, that's why the thing that's been crazy about this, though, that's been super, that's been super, I guess it's surprising, but when I think about it, not surprising is probably the most common note I've gotten since I've gotten it and put it out there is people that say, man, I've always really wanted to do this or I've thought about doing this or whatever. 
Mm-hmm. It's, like, uh, I'm like, yeah, that was me, too. Like, just go do it. Yeah, I mean, you just put the stuff together. And, uh, you know, even if you like I said, if you're even if you're doing, doing something basic, like recording it on your phone or, or whatever, I mean, just start. That's all you can do. And then you start upgrading your stuff. If, if, it's, if you see it's something you're going to stick with, get the next thing up, you know, get it, get the small USB mixer, get the uh, good mic or whatever. Um, you know, there's nothing stopping you. There's nothing stopping you from doing it. But I think I think people think it's this until they actually do it. They, they think it's this thing that's hard to set up and do you know um the the hardest thing to do is to is to stay on top of it and stay consistent that's the hardest thing but yeah and and it is and and there's there were definitely some times when it, it had gotten that you know it was a little frustrating i think when i was sort of fighting through some of the technical things when i was trying to get you know the rig right and all that which i'm still working on right and it did seem a little overwhelming when i first started however which which this has been a great life lesson for me there is something really rewarding about learning something new and about teaching yourself something because now granted, you know, I know the basic layout of a mixing board because of my background and I know what the knobs all mean, which, you know, a person that didn't wouldn't, you know, they'd look at this and be like FX, AUX, what the hell? Right. (laughs) (laughs) But, but, you know, teaching myself audacity and like, recording stuff and then cutting and I never edited anything before, you know, so I just sat around and played with it and played with it and messed with it. And then when you get to that point where the first time I put something together and it sounded good, I I was, you know, I was, I was proud and I felt good. Like I was like, you know what? I taught myself how to do that. Yeah, man. It's, uh, there's something about always wanting to be challenged and, you know, I bet, you know, my wife would roll her eyes at this conversation just because uh, she, I've, I've had so many different hobbies that I like doing. <laughs> Podcasting. Beer. Uh, brewing beer, yeah. Uh, <laughs> just scuba diving. I mean, just all kinds of things that I just it just starts with a little obsession and all of a sudden I'm just, it's all I think about and I just read tutorials and watch YouTube videos and do all this stuff and then I'm just like all right well I'm gonna do this I'm gonna give it a shot and then it works and it's weird it's just like conquering these little mountains uh and I think that's that's kind of what keeps you moving through life is conquering little mountains and if you kind of get if you get too complacent man you just at least me personally I if I wasn't being challenged by at least something I wouldn't be I'd be a very grouchy person I feel like yeah and I'm the opposite of that. Like I do the things that I do and I'm not an experimenter. Like I'm generally not a person that's going to try stuff. Right. So, you know, if, so if, if it's, you know, it's fulfilling for you, but for me too, because I'm just like, wow, I should, you know, I mean, it's like, I should try more things, you know, it's like, am I going to play poker? Yes. Am I going to occasionally play golf? Yes. Am I going to play video games? Yes. Am I going to read? Yes. And that's like the extent of my extracurriculars, you know, but I've been doing all those things for my entire life, you know, so I'm not, you know, I'm not the guy that'll be like, why don't we go take a dance class or why don't we go? I'm just like, eh, too old for that. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it was kind of renewed again because it was just, just taking it on and, and then getting through it all was, it's like, man, you should try stuff more. Don't be such a dick. Yeah. It's, uh, 
I don't know, like I don't I'm not always looking for the next thing to to grab my attention. But when when something does like I kind of uh, you get those. Yeah, we've all been in that situation. You find something you really like doing and you get like the, you know, the tingles of, you know, can I do this? Um, well, let me try it. And then when you when you're able to do it, then you kind of start trying to perfect it and try to get better at it. And I don't know that that, that to me is like what kind of what kind of just drives me to, to keep trying new things. Like I'm not I'm not always looking for like I'm not a spur of the moment guy. It's going to be just like you. Let's go take dance lessons. I'm not a dance guy. You know, that's just not that's just not me. But, you know, the only like right now I'm considering, you know, maybe after we're done with uh, you know, our summer vacation coming up and we're back and, and we get financially recovered from that, maybe I'll uh, go take jujitsu or something like something along those lines. You know, I've 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 taken a couple of classes before, but uh, you know, it was just introductory stuff. So You trying to whip yeah. trying to whip somebody's ass? No, I'm just trying to protect my ass. <laughs> You're gonna be the next. You talk about MMA so much. That's what it is. You got dreams of being the next MMA guy. No, God, no. I I couldn't. I, I couldn't do that. I don't. I I don't think that that's in me. But, um, just the thought of be, being able to handle yourself if a situation goes bad, I think, is a good idea. Um, you know, I, I don't. I and and it's and it's exercise. I mean, I, I've I've never been traditionally an athletic person. That's probably where you and I differ. You know, you came up doing all kinds of sports. Uh, I'd never I played two years of Little League Baseball uh, when I was in, I don't know, fourth or fifth grade. Um, and that's about it. And, uh, you know, my, my my younger brother was the more athletic of the two of us. He did the whole nine. He did baseball, soccer, rugby. You know, he did he did all that stuff. Um, I didn't get into fitness until later in life. And, you know, I just did my first 10K this past weekend. And oh, it was, I saw that on your Facebook. It was the Star Wars 10K or whatever. Yeah, it was, it was pretty fun, man. I actually managed to uh, jog slash run the whole thing wow. without stopping, which is That's big six, for me because I'm the most. 6.2? What's six, that? 6.2 miles? 6.2 miles, which, I mean, a lot of my friends that are that are traditionally in shape and they run all the time, they're like, it's just six miles, dude. It's just six miles. <laughs> right. And I'm just like, yeah, I know, but you're talking about a dude who – if you told him in high school that he was going to be wanting to run a 10K, he'd laugh at you and tell you to get away from him. Like, and, you know, for me, this is, you know, something that I, I don't know. I built, I went through the full training and built up the stamina to be able to run for 6.2 miles without stopping. And it's kind of cool. I would be gassed if I ran up and down the stairs, right? Really? Now. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I'm the worst. I mean, I I do need to find some. I had a buddy that recently just asked me about starting to play tennis because we've got like a neighborhood. And I'm mm. like, eh, that may be because I don't like running. Like, I think I was forced to run all those years, you know, when I was, especially as a pitcher, because all you do is throw and run. Yeah. And uh, and I'm just like, never, never again. Uh, but you know, then it's like you go have your, your doctor's visit, and he's like, um, it's time to have the talk. I'm like, what talk? It's like, you're a fat ass. <laughs> like, oh, okay. That talk. Uh, so, you know, I've been trying to, you know, that some of that stuff too has to get mixed in. I don't think I would ever run a thing. Um, also, the downside of being my size is it's just hell on your knees. Yeah. I that's two, the- I weigh 240 pounds, man. It's like if I go, if I just go play pickup basketball or whatever, like my, my knees just, just ache. Yeah. That's, that's the one part about, uh, 
the mid mid to late thirties. And that's, that's kind of what I learned while I was doing this training. I was fine through a 5k and man, but running for an hour straight. Yeah. It, uh, it, it is hell on your knees. My right knee kills me. And I have to, I have to take really good rest days in between. And, you know, mm-hmm. even, but what's funny is how your body becomes used to that. And when you stop doing it, you can feel the fact that you're not doing it. Like I, I told myself after the 10 K I was like, all right, cool. Now that I've done this, I'm going to take a week off before I do any more running. But then like today rolls around and I'm just like, kind of want to go run. I kind of want to do something like your body gets used to exerting that energy and getting rid of it. And, uh, and I'm probably going to end up running this week, even though I said I was going to take a week off. It's true for most things though, right? I mean, once you develop a routine, I mean, most people are super routine oriented. It's like with the podcast, you know, Mm -hmm. it, it seemed really daunting at the beginning and then you know, you kind of fall into a cadence. Like yeah. we're talking, I'm talking to another guy tomorrow. I've got one next week and now I'm kind of just starting to line things up and I'm kind of finding my rhythm and you know, and I don't, but that, I think that's true for anything. Yeah, I think you're right. And there was a while there, like probably in, in the first year that I had started the podcast back, um, man, I was, I was churning out so many episodes it was ridiculous. Like I jumped, I went, I made it up to a hundred pretty quick just because I was doing like three or four a week. Wow. And I think, I, I think that was a, not really a mistake on my part, but it burned me out kind of quick. Um, so I scaled it back and I was like, all right, no more than two a week. And, um, and then, you know, things get busy and sometimes you miss a week or two. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it just depends. It's sort of the beauty of the medium though, again, too, because the way that they're delivered now with apps and all that. And, you know, like I've had some of my friends that like follow and it's when a new one comes out, like I'm going to, I'm going to let people know, you know, with social media and stuff, but you know, people that subscribe, they'll get a little notification. So it's not like it's gotta be, Oh, Tuesday at nine. I have to go, you know, I need to go listen to the podcast. It's not like TV or like a radio show where it's like, Oh, well if I'm not listening, then I'm not going to get it. I think that's the other thing that people don't get too when they, when when they tell you why is it why are you making it two or three hours long? Well, it's like we talked about earlier. I mean, you can pause it, you can turn it off and pick it back up later. Um, and it, the thing is, it's not like the we've all been in that situation where we had our favorite radio show and we pull into our driveway and we sit in the car for the you know another ten or fifteen minutes because you want to know what happens next. Yeah. Just because your show is two or three hours long doesn't mean that. You know, people have to listen to it all in one shot. It's it, that's the where that's where it has the one leg up on things like radio and TV. It's because you know people can people can take it in little chunks and little bites, and they're not missing anything. They can take it at uh, at their own uh, at their own pace, I guess. Uh, no, absolutely. I mean, and that's sort of and because I, I do that, you know, like I mean, Rogan's podcasts are like two hours. I mean, they're long. They're really long. Yeah. I mean, he, there's very rarely where they don't hit three hours. Yeah. So I just hit it when I hit it, you know, not really. I mean, it is what it is. So Mm -hmm. the, the 10 K was at Disney. Yeah. So we started in the uh, parking lot of Epcot is where it started. And we ran through, um, so you start running and we, Ran down. They they blocked off the highway. This is how. This is to show you how much clout Disney has, right in or in the Orlando area. We ran down. They blocked off part of a highway that runs into uh, into Epcot and in the Magic Kingdom and stuff like that. 
So you run through there. We ran through Hollywood Studios, and then uh, you end up back running through Epcot again, um, and then you finish just outside the gates of Epcot. Oh, um, I know why they do that. So you can immediately hit that beers around the world. Oh, I, I wish. <laughs> the, the thing is, it was so early in the morning. They had us line up at like 4.30 in the morning. And so by the time we ran through, nothing was still open. Nothing. I mean, nothing was even open yet. So we, we finished and the park hadn't even opened. The park opened at like 8 or something like that. And um, so we didn't get to actually enjoy that. But it was cool. They, they had things set up along the way. You had stormtroopers walking around like in full garb and Chewbacca was there and you know, it's, it's kind of neat. They had it set up to where you can stop and take pictures with all this stuff. But I was like, I kind of want to see what kind of time I get. I'm not going to stop and stand in line to get my picture taken. So it's kind of for everybody, I guess, you know, it's, you take it at your own pace. But I was like, my goal was to finish under 70 minutes, right? I wanted to not quite, you know, obviously not a 10 minute mile by any means, but I wanted to do it in less than 70 minutes. I ended up doing it right at like 69 minutes. Nice. So, you know, not the fastest. Ever. The, the, you know, you want to know who the fastest guy was? Oh, it was probably something just absolutely dumb, right? Like 22 minutes or something like that. It was a guy from Brazil and he, he finished the 10K in 31 minutes. Yeah, that's just, that's so silly. I was like, that motherfucker finished the 10K faster than I finished a 5K. <laughs> so that's a five, that's like a five and a quarter mile. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And the, the closest person behind him was like 36 minutes. It was just still badass. I mean, that's that's still like I don't even know if you could call that second place. That's still like unhuman <laughs> un- un- speeds. But uh, that that means that dude was running full clip as hard as he could for 31 minutes. I just couldn't couldn't imagine that. Yeah, I don't I, like I I feel queasy just thinking about it. I slowed down one time. Like I, I stopped I stopped up and I walked for like 20 seconds one time because I almost threw up. <laughs> I was like, I was like, ooh, that doesn't feel right. All right, yeah. let's walk and breathe a little bit. Now we can keep going. Yeah, I, I've in sports, I've had that happen a couple of times where you just go so hard that you puke, and it's the it's there's nothing there's nothing redeeming about that at all. There's no yeah. positive from that. None. It's not it's not like a I puked and I feel better now. Let's keep going. It's no, like it's a, not a no. drunk puke where you're like, oh wow, <laughs> feels so much better. <laughs> no, it's not that. It's like oh. Now my throat hurts and I'm dehydrated. Yeah, exactly. And I'm, and, I'm, like, and I'm still not done. Yeah, you puke and you're like, oh, now I feel like a giant jackass. This is great. <laughs> so, so pivoting slightly, um, sure. you're you're a heathen with no children like me. Um, sure. Have you done Disney before? Like just like yeah. go to the park? Yeah, we uh, actually last year from my same friend uh, for his birthday last year, um, we went to we did Disney. And we did Epcot. We drank around the world last year. Um, and that was a lot of fun. I, I love it. I mean, we did Universal this time. Well, that's what we did the day after the 10K. I I struggle, man, because both parks are so good. But Universal caters to that that kid in me because there's so many. They, they got Simpsons Land. They got the Hulk roller coaster. They got the, you know, the Kong ride, stuff like that. But Disney's fun too, man. They 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 know what they're doing. They definitely spend the money on it. There's there's a reason for the ticket price. I know that much. I'm cool with Universal. I despise Disney. Really? Yeah. I I mean I never went as a kid, so maybe mm-hmm. that's just some sort of thing I need to talk about in therapy. Um, <laughs> but I just don't. I just I don't you know, and maybe it's just because there's a million kids running around, and I just I don't really love crowds. 
um, you know, it's just, it seemed the whole thing just seems very tedious and sort of uncomfortable. Well, that's that, but that's with any event, like almost any event. I mean, there's always going to be crowds. I mean, yeah, you so, like six so flags. I'll, I'll throw in any, I'll throw in any event. Okay. <laughs> no, I don't like Six Flags. I mean, which is funny because when I was a kid, that was sort of a thing. So I, I grew up in Stone Mountain, and when we got to be like 12 or 13, maybe, or 11 or 12, the thing with the parents in the summer was they would get us all a season pass, which we thought was like, our parents are rich. How could they ever? I mean, back then it was like $40. Um, <laughs> and you got a card with your picture on it, which, of course, when you're 11, like you don't have any sort of ID or anything. But like they would trade off and they would take like a van load of us, like eight of us and just drop us off at Six Flags at like nine o'clock in the morning. And they'll be like, we'll meet you at gate X at six. That's it. And, you know, and we were just like, but there were lots of kids from Atlanta that were there just running loose in the park. Um, I don't know if people would do that these days. I think maybe they would call you. It's like you dropped your 12 year old off with a bunch of other 12 year olds at a theme park. Uh, but that was dope. Like that was some of my fun, you know, like we had a blast. I mean, that was, that was fun summertime. You know, we go over there like two or three times a week. (laughs) I mean, to me that those kind of situations, that's when you learn how to live, you know what I'm saying? That's when you learn how to like, how to do things on your own just a little bit. Yeah. You're there. You're, you're obviously there in somewhat of a controlled environment, but I mean, at least you're able to roam around and meet other kids and, and, learn how to be social even you know what i'm saying like it's it's one of those things like you're not attached to your parents hand the whole time yeah and you know and there were other things because there were no credit cards really back then i mean that wasn't as much of a thing right so you had ten dollars and it's like okay if i want a coke and then i need to have money for lunch and then if i want a snack in the afternoon like i can't just go whole hog and like you know and just in the more at, at 1130, just go whatever. Then like what happens when I want something to drink? It's like three o'clock because we've been running around the park and it's hot. So, so you had to start thinking about that sort of stuff or like, you know, oh, there's a swatch guard I really want for my swatch watch uh, <laughs> in the in the souvenir shop. And, it, you know, you got ten dollars and that was like two dollars. You're like, oh, it's t- you know, it's 20 percent of my total allotment. <laughs> Oh man, it's, it's, it, it is weird. I mean, it's, it's kind of, it kind of goes back to that, you know, kids aren't playing outside these days and it's just, it's just the same thing, man. At, at some point people got scared about shit. That's always been happening. <laughs> you know, like stuff that's always been happening is now, now you can see it faster because the news is always on. Yeah. I had an interesting conversation with, um, we'll see how this goes at the next family gathering. So I'm about to bring up or bring up a relative. Uh, nice. My sister-in-law and brother-in-law, my brother-in-law and his wife. So my mm-hmm. sister-in-law-law. I don't know how that works because he's my brother-in-law and then it's his wife. Yeah. We have a nephew. He's seven now, I think. Um, but when he was like three or four, so I own guns. Um, I've been around them for, you know, my whole life. Uh, you know, she sort of sat me down and had this talk about if he's going to come over here. I mean, she didn't go as far to say, like, the guns need to be gone, but I don't ever want them out or whatever. And I respect that as a parent. I mean, I'm sure there's a level of fear because there are accidents happen and, you know, that's got to be a, that's your worst nightmare, right? Like something happened to your kid. But, you know, man, I think I got my first BB gun when I was like four and I got my first 22 rifle when I was like six or five. 
And, but I lived in the country and that was just sort of what, you know, what we did, but nobody, you know, but I had people that knew and I got taught and I got, so, so I, I sort of struggle with the whole idea of exposure versus, you know, throwing the bubble, you know, the force field around and just keeping it out. Yeah. Within reason. I mean, you know, obviously it's just like, hey, Tommy, this is marijuana, you know, like when he's a six year old. But, you know, some things are like, well, I'm responsible. Like and and I think maybe, too, I took it a little personally. Like, you really think that I would let anything happen to him or. Yeah, it's those situations are always weird because, of course, you want to protect your kid, but you feel you feel almost like it's an affront because there's like it's almost like they're at the same time being like i don't trust your responsibility with guns <laughs> right and you're just like dude i don't know who you think i am like it's not like i'm in my front yard shooting guns off <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> there's not a range and in, in the backyard i'm shooting bottles off of my fenced in backyard in the back you know what i mean that's not that's not yeah. part of the deal. But but I get the other side, too, because it is like because I'm a trust issues guy. You know, like I'm a bit of a control freak. Like I'm the guy that doesn't like to fly because I don't know the pilot. So, you know, I mean, so it's like I understand I'm being a little hypocritical. Right. Because I totally understand it. But the bigger issue me is not so much the being a little bit scared, you know, or worried and wanting to bring it up because that's fair. But it's the whole overarching idea of does it make more sense to hide these things or to have the conversation and be like, these are dangerous. They're not toys, you know, and, and, you know, and sort of get that in early. Cause I almost feel like with kids, there's I mean, any humans, there's a certain element of, if you tell me I can't, I'm going to want to. Well, I think that, I think there's a mixture that needs to happen. There's a certain um, cocktail of, of events that needs to happen. It, a, it needs to be consistent communication. If it's just you telling them and they only hang out with you like once every, you know, couple months or something like that. Um, I mean, it's, it'll eventually land there. But I mean, like you said, you were being taught and, and shown how to use guns from a very, very early age. And you even had one that was yours to take care of at a very early age. So you were shown that stuff super early on and, and you, you had the responsibility there. I, I kind of akin gun gun education to also being kind of like uh i guess sex ed or 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 even teaching people about drugs and alcohol like there's a certain like kids actually appreciate when you don't treat them like they're kids sometimes and like you can you can talk to them without without being like without without being like here let me break your heart about the world you can just be like look here's the facts these things are very dangerous. Let me show you why they're dangerous. Let me show you how to handle these. And I think the conversation is always better. If you just shelter, then they won't know what to do if they're in a situation. Like you let them go to a friend's house and maybe their dad's not careful to put that shit away. You know? Right. right. Then what? Then what? Then they're going to be like, oh, yeah, I've seen this on the movie before. They pick it up and they go pew, pew. <laughs> and then all of a sudden someone's fucking dead or hurt. You know, it's it's always better to have the conversation, in my opinion. And I, I mean, it's easy to, I guess it's also easy for me and you to sit here and absolutely. say this. About 100%. Kids. Yeah, absolutely. Cause we don't have them. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, yeah this I, is, this is, I, this, but this is like my argument for a lot of people that say that 
believe in this this abstinence only appro- no no sex ed in schools approach which i think is the dumbest shit i've ever heard like sorry i think it's dumb i think that's just as dumb as like these people that don't believe that vaccines work yeah or that the, the you know the vaccines are bad right because you know, especially like 13 year olds and all that sort of stuff. Like why I don't, you know, it's just this idea there there's this, there's this, I call it the forbidden fruit model, right? Where it's like, there are these things that, you know, supposedly just, we shouldn't talk about or touch or do whatever. And I just never think that's good. I never think it's good. Like more knowledge is better. And for more information is better. More facts are better. I know we live in a post fact society, but, uh, you know, it's like, wait, I don't, so you're telling me that like teaching a kid how to use a condom or like what happens if they get a disease or like, that's a bad idea. I just don't understand it. I don't understand it. Well, they, if you don't teach them about it, they're not going to know that they're messing up. Is that, does that make any sense? Like they're not going to know, like it's, it's making it more taboo and it's making it more of an intrigue to the child. Or to the person in question when you're just like, don't look at that. Why not? Just, you shouldn't be looking at that. That's kind of like, they, that's just inviting them to look at that. Like, I, that's just the way it is. And if you're not teaching them how to not get pregnant, then you're going to end up with a few pregnant teenagers. I'm just, it's the way it is. Yeah, and I mean, and no one's no one's advocating, like, getting them a porn tube account. You know, no. like, this is not that, right? Like... I understand if you found your kid had porn and you want to have that conversation, but we're talking about like, here's the other thing too. That's so stupid about that newsflash. They are going to want to explore theirs and other people's private parts. Yeah. It is biology. This is not, it is not a choice. Like the reason we have a species is because everyone has a internal desire to have sex. It's a, it's the reason we don't cease to exist. Yeah. Or haven't ceased to exist. So you can't fight. And that's the thing. It's like people start trying to fight. This is my whole deal with like fighting science with ideology. It's so it's the same thing with climate change. It's like you're battling science with ideology and that shouldn't win. But people believe that that wins, you know, and I just don't think it does. Well, what kills me is they're they're adult, Most of them are adults and they they know they know that in their heart of hearts that the biology always wins. They've done the things themselves. Like they've, they've done this. And then there's a kid involved. They've had sex at least once. Right. (laughs) Um, and, and I think people kid themselves as to how early, how early kids start becoming attracted to girls. They may not know what's going on or why they, why they feel a certain way, you know, why they might be, feeling the way they feel but i remember being a very young child and not really understanding why i liked watching um the paula abdul opposites attract video <laughs> but i did i loved it i loved watching paula abdul and, and and you know i was like she's a very pretty woman why do i feel all tingly over this very pretty woman and i was i was a young kid man i don't know I, I guess it's different for all for all for all people when they start to kind of get into sex and stuff like that. But I feel like I was really young when I started being really attracted to girls, man. I so wish I had an ass cap license. Cause the bumper for this episode would absolutely be Paul Abdul. 
but no yeah i remembered i was 10 i was 10 years old her name was sherry hamlin she was super hot i think she was kind of like sort of starting to get boobs i mean and i just remember being like oh girls have they been here the whole time (laughs) yeah it was early on man i i'm trying to remember I don't even remember how old I was, but I was I was really really young, and I just I remember there was this one girl at school that just her name was Brandy. I don't remember her last name. Yeah, you do. <laughs> well, I, wish, I really wish I did, but uh, she was she was the girl who showed me what it was to French kiss. Oh yeah, yeah, and that was early. I want to say that was like kindergarten. <laughs> like it was weird. Oh but, wow, uh, I was a late bloomer. I was fifteen. Yeah, my first like legit kiss like there were the spin the bottle pecs but um i was on a church trip at the summit in panama city (laughs) like a summer what a place it set the romance up yeah it was in a stairwell (laughs) i'm not gonna say her name because there's an outside chance that she hears this but she knows who she is um but yeah but yeah but that's the thing is i would say what I was like a stairwell in Panama City Beach. I can almost smell that scenario. Dude, that's classy with a capital K, my friend. <laughs> uh, uh, but, you know, but I also, again, was in a I, I grew up in a place where. And also understand, too, like in the parents defense that times have changed. I mean, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot more stuff out there. And uh, but, you know, I grew up in a town where people weren't doing that. No one drank. No one was really having sex i mean none of that i mean even all through high school i mean i i didn't get into that stuff until college really but it but it was my the environment we were in was like that you know like the people that went and like got six packs of beers i mean they were losers you know we thought they were redneck losers sure um so um it was a little bit different you know and now i hear about you know kids are in like some private school in atlanta and you know they're 12 and they were like one of their friends got caught with marijuana in their locker i'm like they're 12 like where does a 12 year old buy weed? Like, I don't even understand the logistics of that. Yeah. I'm trying to remember the first time I had been exposed to marijuana. I was at least 14, 13, probably 14. I mean, I guess that's only a couple of years removed, but I mean, I don't know. That's 12 is 12 seems outrageously young. I was 19. Really? Yes. And I was like, what is this thing? <laughs> You're also like way into sports. You think being in being like so entrenched in sports and having so many activities to do after school, like kept you from seeing all that stuff too early on? Uh, Well, no. I mean, I think in normal case it does. In my case, no, because I'm not. I mean, literally. So, it, again, my my childhood experience was weird in the town I was in. Like our top 10 graduates, like from a grade point average, I graduated sixth in my class. Mm-hmm. Um, like four of the top 10 had college sports scholarships. Um, like two were like theater, you know, people that were going to study that. I mean, you know, one and were fairly popular, you know, it, it was a really weird, it was a weird from what I hear now, like it was cool to be smart where, and to be engaged where I grew up. Right. Like the the cool kids were the kids that did stuff, not the sort of, you know, 
fuck the establishment, you know, kind of crowd that was just like hanging out their locker, you know what I mean? Like smoking cigarettes by their truck after school, like fight the power. I mean that, that people, people were like, that's not like, you're going to be, you're never going to succeed in life. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, so yeah, like it was just weird. It was just a weird cultural, like societal construct of where I grew up. Uh, You know, I don't think, I don't think that your experience is too like, too crazy of a scenario though as as far as like the way we're taught through tv and movies how high schools should be or or will be like i i think my my experience was kind of the same where it's just kind of like no if you were one of the kids who smoked and you know or was already getting drunk and doing that stuff i mean if you weren't i don't know if that if that was your everything you were kind of like people were just like well you're a dumbass yeah like it's I don't know. It wasn't that hard. I wasn't I wasn't the the most popular kid, but I got along with everybody. You know, that is it was not this, shocking. What's up? That is not shocking. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I just I, I should have known earlier on that I needed to be doing something like this um, or doing something like radio than than when I actually figured it out, because I loved my favorite class in high school was current events like. I love talking about that, but I always went at it from the devil's advocate side because yeah. I like to see people uncomfortable with, well, why is he supporting this when it's not Jesus? Like, kind of thing. It's, <laughs> it's fun. It's fun to do to people. So, no, I, and I do. I mean, like I tell about the time, like people, whatever people that are conflict averse, mm. I'm like whatever the opposite of that is. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I'm, I am conflict. Whatever the opposite of averse is. Um, <laughs> so, drag that skeleton out into the sun and make it wave at everybody. Yeah, well, I, you know, <laughs> I just because I, I think too, I, I learned too professionally pretty quickly that, and it's not. I mean, there is an element of fun to, for people being uncomfortable, but I think that I just like to get it out. Like, I just like to move on. Like, yeah. let's just let's just hash this out. If we need to MF each other a couple times, let's just get that out of the way and just move on because our existence is not going to change, right? We have to, you know, it's a coworker or we're friends or we're whatever. Like this is we're this is an ongoing concern, right? That we're going to be friends or we're going to live next door to one another or we're going to work together. So let's just, I mean, you know, just like cutting each other's eyes at each other and, you know, going home and telling your wife about how so-and-so is an asshole every day. And that that's just not productive to me. I feel like that's a wasted energy. I feel like I feel the same exact way. Like one of the biggest eye openers I had in my early 20s, I was doing a uh, an internship up in New York City. Um, And uh, at the time I was working for Best Buy. And um, I saw it was easy for me to transfer and have a job while I was up there doing this internship. It's an unpaid internship doing radio stuff. And, you know, one of the biggest eye openers for me was the way that people just kind of handled their disagreements was so different because I'm so used to growing up in the South where it's like, I'm just going to nice them to death and then behind their back or in a roundabout, <laughs> or in a roundabout passive aggressive way, bring something up. No, these people were like, if you had a problem, the supervisor brought this guy over here and this other guy over here, they sat down and it's like, all right, you said that he is blah, 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 blah. He said this, this, and this, let's figure it out right now. Then they get, they'd all get mad, they'd argue, and then they'd go to lunch together. Like, it's just, it's so much easier to just, if you got a problem, put it out there, 
get it out in the open and just solve that shit rather than bitch about it. Yeah, passive aggressive, man. That's Oof. that's pretty high on my pet peeve list. Pretty <laughs> high. Oh. It makes me really, really nuts. Does it make your blood boil? It it does because I'm not that way. And and Holly, you know, I love my wife. I mean, and I don't think it's on purpose, and she's not bad at it, but there's one area she, she does it a lot and it <laughs> grates on me a bit. Yeah. Is this is it. We need to move that dresser down into the basement. And I'm like, we do? We do. No, me do. Because you can't <laughs> carry it. And you know you can't. Right? Or we need to go pull that shuff- stuff down off the 10-foot shelf. We? You're 5'2". We is me. Right? Like, just go, hey, will you take the dresser downstairs? You know, it's like, <laughs> it just... I don't know why that gets at me, but it does. I'm just like, because if I want her to do something, I'll just be like, hey, will you go do this? Yeah. Or like call and be like, mm, we really need some creamer. We're <laughs> all out of creamer. We really could use some. It's like, are you trying to ask? I'd be like, honey, will you stop by the grocery store and get some creamer? <laughs> like, that's super easy. Well, that's at least a tame version of it. It's Yeah, believe me, that's it is. It's the It's the... Yeah, the full throttle stuff will just set me off. I mean, that's just, I'll just be like, because now I'll just be like, oh, really, we do? And then I'll just go do it. Like, that's always what I say. She goes, well, you. That's how she responds now. She goes, well, you. <laughs> I'm just like, well, okay. <laughs> that's better. Do we need to do that? All right, we will. Let's go. Come on, together. <laughs> and I was like, maybe we need to make me a ham sandwich while we are taking the dresser downstairs. <laughs> sure, one, she loved that. That one doesn't go over well. That one does not go over well. At all, I don't advise that. If you're listening at home, do not try this at home. Do not ask your wife to make your ham sandwich. <laughs> yeah, if you if you ever listen to my show when I have my wife on, I don't advise anybody to talk to their to talk to joke with their wife the way I joke with mine. <laughs> Although it's I cool, pay for it. I still haven't I still haven't met your wife, and I want to because um the other thing though is my wife is a is a you know she 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 is fully capable of holding her own. So, you know, that's sort of the, you know, that's the thing is she can give it right back, you know, and there are definitely moments when I'm a bastard and, and, you know, if I'm in a foul mood or whatever, and I mean, she can rightfully sort of let me have it sometimes too. So I'm, I'm certainly not painting the picture that I'm like Mr. Sure. Perfect. Cause I'm, I can be a grumpy bastard sometimes. Oh man. And let me, I'll tell you that much. I could definitely be grumpy too. And man, does she just smash my face when I'm just wrong on, the, <laughs> on that front. Um, but I mean, it's I think you have to have that. Like, I think there wouldn't, at least for me anyway, there wouldn't be chemistry if there wasn't the push and pull. You know, there's got to be that. Uh, what that? Who said that? Oh, yeah. Paula Abdul. Opposite. <laughs> <track. Little> <laughs> Excellent callback. That's why you're a professional. And I'm nope. just getting started. Like <laughs> professional. I, I don't know about that, but I do obsess on things, so why not? It seems we never ever agree. I think I might still know all the words to that song. I wish I did. I don't. I just remember I just remember looking at her legs and watching the, the animated cat dance <laughs> yeah. around with her and being jealous of the cat. You like the movies and I like TV. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember that one, the one part, 
I don't like cigarettes. I like the smoke. <laughs> he was so fucking proud of being able to smoke. <laughs> there was an animated cat, wasn't there? Yes, there was. He was in a zoot suit of some sort. He I was. Think. That was the thing, man, because I, f- I feel like that was maybe around the same time as Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah. And like Who Space Roger Jam. Roger Rabbit, what, Cool World? Was that the other one? Cool World. Wow, that's a, that's a serious pull right there. Cool World. Yeah. Was that Gabriel Byrne? I think it was. It was Gabriel Byrne and someone else. It was like two dudes and then the animated chick. And was it? it wasn't Brad Pitt, was it? I think it might have been. Dude, if I just pulled Gabriel Byrne and Brad Pitt out of my rear end, somebody needs to send me a certificate of accomplishment. All right, here we go. I'm looking it up. Kim Basinger, Gabriel Byrne, Brad Pitt. Man, who's the man? Stars of Cool World. <laughs> Look at the cover of this. It's Brad Pitt with the gun up like like uh, 007 style. With like and- the Jessica Rabbit-ish character. Yeah, the animated Kim Basinger got her hand on his chest. Oh, God. Hollywood if she could, and she will. <laughs> That's the movie poster. God. I just named two cast members in Cool World. I gotta, that, get, get, I gotta get out more. You just like movies, man. Dude, I love movies. Nothing wrong with it. I do love, love movies. Um, Holly doesn't get it. She's like, <laughs> she always is like, she'll come by and she's like, what are you watching? And I'll be like, uh, trying to think of one that is always, you know, just always going to happen, like without fail. The Godfather. Godfather. <laughs> you know, she's like, how many times have you seen this? 300. <laughs> Mine's going to be one of three groups of movies. It's going to usually be um, a Coen Brothers movie of some sort. All right. Um, a David Fincher movie of some sort. You all uh, or a Quentin Tarantino movie of some sort, usually. Um, those are uh, that's that's heady cinema, my friend. I love it. Uh, did you see Hateful Eight? Yes, I did twice in the theater. It's my favorite Tarantino movie. It's so fucking good. Walton Goggins, he is, dude, one of the best assholes ever on the screen. If I were gay. And he was gay. I would go after that. Dude. Walton Goggins is so fucking... The, my favorite line um, in that fucking movie is... Um, <laughs> oh, God. What was it? He goes... They were talking back and forth. And um, he would say, you, you boys have been reading the newspaper or something like that. Like, just really, really proper. I can't remember the line. Now I'm going to fucking kill myself not know that i can't remember yeah i can't I, I mean there's just so much good it's one of those movies where it's so good like i haven't committed a lot of the lines to memory um but he's oh my gosh justified do you watch justified yes gosh. I, I haven't watched all of it I've, I've only watched like part of the first season i need to watch all of it oh i know my, dude he is yeah, Waitley gets his stride. Like he's good in it, but like when you get into the later seasons, man, that guy, I, I love that guy. I remember what he said. He said, "Oh, you boys have been reading them newspapers from Washington D.C." Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> really pro- just said it really proper. <laughs> um, just killed me. 
every time. But no, Walt Goggins has been my favorite ever since the Shield. Even like when he was Shane Vendrell. Yeah, absolutely. Shield. I mean, anything that guy pops up in, I'm almost immediately a fan of. Did you watch Sons of Anarchy? Oh yeah. I mean, oh yeah. He's unreal in that as Venus or whatever her name is. Yeah, the so the tranny. I mean, it's like or transgender. Did I just do a no no? Ooh, I know. I'm sorry. Um, this trans transgender transgender individual. Yeah. Um, he's just amazing in that. Um, so good. Fincher stuff is badass too. Like Seven is one of my favorite movies of all time. Speaking of Seven, two weekends ago, hanging out with one of my friends, we're at the beach, and for some reason, like we're we went to the beach the day before. And so we were we were kind of chilling out, watching TV, hung over the next day. And I forget what I said that 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 made us start quoting seven. Mm. Uh, so I said something about a box and my friend just goes, what's, what's in the, the box? box? What's in the box? <laughs> what's in the box? And then I said he, he just keeps saying it over and over again. And I'm just in the background like stay away from here, California. <laughs> John Doe, John Doe has the upper hand now. <laughs> That's a pretty good Morgan Freeman. <laughs> I just, I was saying it so much. Our wives were so livid with us because we wouldn't stop saying that. They're like, "Would you please shut the fuck up?" It was like two days later, and we're still quoting this shit. Um, there's, I mean. Yeah, I mean that's so great. What's in the box? I do, I do the, I do the what's in the box thing all the time. Like I ever hear somebody talk about the box, like what's in the box, what's in the box? What's in the fucking box? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tell me there's a box. What's in the box? Come on, dude. Brad Pitt in that scene, that probably solidified him as one of. I don't care what anybody has to say about him being a heartthrob. One of my favorite actors, just because like he's going from like being devastated to being fucking pissed to being devastated like over and over again. That is such a great scene, man. It's probably one of the best. Which scene? The the scene where he's about to sh- about to shoot John Doe. Oh yeah. Where he finds finds out that you know whose head was in the box, kind of thing, and he's just he's dev- he like keeps looking down at the ground, crying, and then getting like looking back up seriously, about ready to you know blow a hole in the guy's head. Oh yeah, when he's like, it's the whole overwhelming. That movie, I, I was in college. We went to see that, and I could not eat afterwards. Like that's we we didn't eat, and we went, and we were gonna go to Waffle House outside the movie theater after the thing. I physically couldn't eat. I was so shaken by that movie. Was that the, was that your first like gruesome movie you were exposed to? No, or? not at all. I think just it was so out of nowhere, and it just was so psychologically just twisted. Yeah, you know that it's just it was. I mean, that movie's amazing, right? Like, it's it's amazing for lots... I mean, that's the thing, is it's visually amazing, and it's also the story, everything. It's so... It's super well-acted. Like, it, you know, it's... I think Brad Pitt is really underrated as an actor. I mean, that movie set the bar for how thriller movies are supposed to be made. There's always some good ones, good ones out there, but, I mean, everything after it tr- was trying to be seven. Everything. Even down to, like, Kiss the Girls... Oh, with yeah. Morgan Freeman again, there he is but again. I mean, we were me and my wife after 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 me and my friend were were saying what's in the box all weekend. We got home and decided we're going to watch the movie just because it stuck in everybody's head, and we we were just noticing. And she even she brought it up before me. She was like, "Look at the intro to this movie and tell me how every almost every crime drama on TV isn't ripping off Seven somehow." 
every crime drama is trying to be seven. Yeah, and anytime, anytime in a movie now you have the super psychopath, yeah. there's the notebooks. Yep. With it's, all the crazy writing in the notebooks. Uh, that that movie just floored me when I was. I mean, I was a young kid. Like, I mean, I was probably. But that movie came out in 98, 96, something like that. It wasn't 98 because I was in college. It was probably 96. I got to graduate in 97. Let's see. Didn't Fincher do Fight Club also? Uh, Yeah, Fincher did Fight Club. Fincher did um, The Social Network. I love Fight Club also. Again, another movie like out of nowhere. I'm like, I'm Tyler Durden. I'm like, no! Yeah. No, it just blew your mind. But oddly, one of those, um, it was 95. Okay. Oddly, uh, one of the few movies I can watch that's like a big swerve movie that I can watch over and over again. Because there's so many things that, that you, that so many details in that movie that are just, you got to appreciate. Well, it's one but, of those, I think anytime there's that kind of movie where there's a fake, it's like the sixth sense, right? The sixth sense idea right like a character is not real or whatever it's like going back and watching how expertly they do because if you watch it again it's true you know like one scene in that movie I love is when he first meets him and they're on the the plane when he when he's given the single serving friend speech or whatever Mm -hmm. and he goes oh we have the same briefcase which like in the context of the film, when the first time you've seen it, you're like, oh, well, that's a coincidence, but no big, you know what I mean? Like, you know, maybe they're just establishing rapport or whatever. And you're like, no, because it's your briefcase. You know what I mean? Like, and then, you know, when he does the thing, he, so he's like, I need to, he gets up to go to the restroom and he walks by and you see him walking down the aisle and he moves. Brad Pitt dodges someone in the aisle so he doesn't physically touch them mm-hmm. because that would obviously, because he can't, because he's not real. And no one looks at him. But like you don't pick up on that when you're just watching the scene the first time. And then when you see it again, you're like, holy shit. Like, you know what I mean? It was all those little attention to detail about the fact that that the Brad Pitt character is not actually real. Yeah, it's it's wild, man, to, to go back and you can tell when a, a movie's done really, really well, when they go back and they pay attention to those details, knowing they're going to have this big reveal later. They're like, wow, we could just implant all kinds of things in this. And it also makes sense like in all of the interactions he's having, like where people are like looking at each other, like, is he crazy? Like in the car when he's like, when they, they all keep saying in project mayhem, we do not ask yeah. questions. <laughs> yeah. Like, and he's just talking back and forth. And the two guys in the back seat just look at each other. Like, what the fuck? And he's like, Oh, it's because he's talking to himself actively. Yeah. It's uh, not because the two leaders are the two leaders of the group are fighting. It's because that's really one dude up there having an argument with himself. <laughs> That's so great, man. Yeah, that movie is just, and also just the whole, that's the other thing too, is just that part, but the story itself is, you know, just this idea of the establishment. And there's so many, there's so many, that's an, that, that movie's an onion, right? There's, yeah. there's a million, a million layers. But my thing that I always steal, like when you're what's in the box, it's like, I am Jack's disappointment. Like I yeah. do that all the time. Like I am Jack's, what? like I say that all the time. About, <laughs> I am Jack's complete lack of surprise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I am Jack's spleen. Yeah, 
I am Jax Colin. I get cancer. I kill Jax. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That whole movie, I could just sit there and watch over and over again. I, I, I would have to say Fight Club. It's either Fight Club or Big Lebowski are probably two of the movies I've seen more times over and over again. Um, but I mean, it's Fight Club's way, way up there for me, and I can turn it on at any point. Yeah, I think because that's a cable staple. I've probably seen it a lot. I've definitely seen Shawshank Redemption a hundred thousand times. Yeah. Um, I've seen Star Wars a hundred thousand times. Yeah. Um, I've seen The Godfather and The Godfather too. I'm such a Godfather freak. That you, so are you familiar with this thing, The Godfather Epic? No. So what they did was they, um. So, you know, the Godfather one is obviously setting it up into a story and Michael comes home from, you know, the war and all that. Yeah. Godfather two is the second part of Michael's story progressing from one. And then also the backstory of Vito played by De Niro, um, you know, and that whole deal. Mm-hmm. And then three would have been great if they hadn't cast gone nepotism and casted Sophia Coppola and she fucked it up. But. The Godfather epic, what they did is they took the movie and they cut it into chronological order. Hmm. Because two is the flashback. So it starts with De Niro and Vito in Italy and them coming here and starting the Genoa Olive Company and whatever. And then Michael. And then so it's it's run. They just redid the movie. So everything runs completely chronologically. So it's like 10 hours and change and it's one big thing on more than one saturday i have sat and watched it that's nuts start to finish that's crazy start to finish i'm trying to think what other movie there was another movie was it memento where they went back and recut it so it's all in order guy pierce oh did somebody do that i think so I think it was like a special edition of Memento that came out where they had both versions of the movie. That kind of ruins it, though, doesn't it? I guess so. I, I, maybe it wasn't that one. I have no idea. They uh, they cut that one like that. I believe someone went through and and put Pulp Fiction in chronological order before. Mm-hmm. Um, which, I mean, that doesn't change it too much. But I always like asking people if they know that the, chronologically what are the last lines in the movie. Which movie? Uh, Pulp Fiction. Chronologically, the last line in the movie. Uh, are you asking because you know, or are you asking because you or want to know? I'm asking because I know. Oh, oh, I don't know. I was trying yeah. to think about it because I'm trying to think. So Travolta dies, so it can't be the scene in the restaurant. Um, it's uh. Is it Zed's dead, baby? Yep. Okay. Zed's dead, baby. Okay. Zed's dead. Yeah. I fucking, the, the, just the small nuances, even of that movie, when you go back and watch it. So if you think about, do you remember, do you remember uh, Travolta tell, telling the uh, heroin dealer the story of his car getting keyed? Yes. Like, it would have been worth me catching him. <laughs> it would have been worth him doing it for me to catch him kind of <laughs> shit. Yeah. <laughs> It's, since it's not in chronological order, people don't pick up on the fact that that's Bruce Willis's character that keyed his car because that happened after they ran into each other in the bar. Yeah, I mean, there's so, nuts, man. And also, too, like you know, like the MacGuffin in that movie is the the briefcase. 
you know, yeah. which I think after the fact we've is Marcellus Wallace's soul. I think that's probably universally accepted. Um, which is just so phenomenal because they never tell you, you know, but it's the little thing. He's got the bandaid on the back of his neck. Cause you know, they say that they used to believe you could take the soul out of the back of someone's neck or whatever. Um, there's just so many. And of course, like my man, Samuel L. I mean, of course. Yeah. Just like, I'm the tyranny of evil men, but I'm trying real hard to be the shepherd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's so many good there's so many good points to that movie. I mean, we're not saying anything that's groundbreaking here, but I just love that there's just certain things and and I've talked about this with people on the on my podcast before where it's like is the fact that we're obsessed with movies like this a token of how good those movies are or is it or is it more of a token of where we were in our lives at the time were we just super impressionable at the time and we just those things ingrained into our brain because i definitely know people who have seen those movies but don't feel nearly the same way i do about them i saw a lot of these movies when i was younger obviously i think i'm like four or five years younger than you no that's probably just more of a function of them having poor taste (laughs) (laughs) maybe so maybe so i mean there's just I don't ever, I don't, I mean, I know good movies still come out, but I've, I've not come across any movies that make me want to watch them over and over again, like Fight Club or, or any of these other movies I love. Well, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, there, maybe there's a function. Of age. I, I, I think it's probably just more like what you're into. It's kind of like the conversation I was having about Nocturnal Animals, right? Mm-hmm. Like that movie is just phenomenal, but you have like people that really loved the Expendables. You know, the Stallone movie where he brought back all the people that haven't made a movie in a long time, you know, Dolph Lundgren, Wesley Snipes, you know what I mean? If that's on your top five list, you are not going to like Nocturnal Animals. And that's fine, right? I mean, that's totally cool. I'm not trashing someone for liking The Expendables, but you're just not going to get into this. Well, I'm not going to say anything because you need to see it. But, you know, it's just very cerebral and it's just a different, it's a different kind of movie. Um, Did you see Ex Machina? I did. I loved it. That's kind of one. That's one that for me leapt up into the pantheon of. I think that's maybe the best science fiction. And again, I'm just going to, for the people, make the distinction that science fiction is like Star Wars is consistently mischaracterized as science fiction. It is not. It's fantasy because it's a not real universe that, you know, I know it's a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, but, you know, whatever. Star Trek is science fiction, right? Um, but Ex Machina, I think, is one of the best science fiction films, I think, of the last 10 or maybe 15 years. I mean, it's just, it's conceptually great. It's visually great. The The concept is great. The moral implications are real. You know, I mean, it's, that movie's so good. Well, and, and it's like cerebral, too. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a cerebral, um, you know, movie. And I think that's the, the things that make me think. Like I loved Inception. Inception kind of got you know made me Chris, just like Chris Nolan. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like those those movies, um, just just ones that make you kind of stick into your mind. Like holy shit, this is fucking incredible. Um, so you got like Inception. You got things like um, I'm trying to think of another. Did well, Hell see, or High Water was another one oh, that I love. Phenomenal. Did you see um, Children of Men? Uh, a long time ago. I need to watch it again. I've got it on DVD. That one's really, really good. Um, and it's, again, kind of in that, like, you know, there's a there's a moral dilemma. Like, I, I tend to feel like those movies are movies where I really 
gravitate to, like a real moral dilemma, not like should I go on a serial killing spree, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, like Mystic River. Did you see Mystic River? That's one of my it's, favorites. Yeah, it's really good. Um, but for whatever reason, those movies kind of tend to resonate, you know, like, um, uh, I wonder if part of it is is like. You know, obviously the 90s was re- a really big time period for the psychological thriller genre of movie. I wonder if, like, it's just one of those things where so many things were done so well through the 90s in, those ty- in that style of movie that it kind of almost set such a high bar that you hardly ever see a movie like them again. Because they were, at the time, they were so new and just so... Shocking in some ways, like you bring up Mystic River, like shocking in in in, a, in in its own way, like you can never be surprised like you were surprised by those movies again. Um, yeah, and also too, I mean, the challenge you have is that that industry is it's it's just like the music business, man. It's like when something starts making money, you're gonna immediately get thirty more movies just like it. Yeah. So. That that's probably why you enjoy like you know, and I do too. Like the the David Finchers of the world and those kinds of directors because they are, or even like a James Cameron, right? Because they are, they're not trying to do that. They're not trying to make the movie that was hot last year. They're trying to make their thing, something know? memorable. Yeah, they're trying to make something memorable. I mean, what, what was the last thing Fincher did? Uh, Gone Girl in twenty fourteen. Yeah, great movie, great movie. Um, I mean, I know it was a, it was a book before, but I mean, you know, you just you see what that guy can do, the imagery that guy can set up, and it's pretty fucking amazing, man. Yeah, and I have a hard time generally with um, movies that come from books, like especially if I've read the book. Um, because the book is just so much more immersive, you know, obviously you can't, you just can't cover all that ground. Yeah. Um, but, but I mean, he did a great job with that movie. Um, I think too now, just again, because media is expanding, you get distribution. Like, did you see the wrestler? Uh, you know what? I have not seen the wrestler and that movie is, that movie is really great. I mean, it's, it's really not about wrestling right i mean it's it's just this it's this heartbreaking story about this guy you know who and his daughter and that was an independent movie you know and and you know that sort of got out there and you know did whatever i check that one out it's uh it's not super long and it's um it's just a it's a it's a really good story yeah i mean i i know the gist is like you know it's the story of a guy whose life is kind of spun out of control and now he's like in his later years and all my friends have just like told me that it's amazing it's amazingly good i need to i just needed to make the time to watch it you know the latest rumor is we were talking about fincher and brad pitt the latest rumor is uh fincher is going to be working on world war z2 with pitt i heard that yeah that'll be interesting i don't know i was i was i had mixed feelings about the first movie because i liked the book so much and the movie had not so little to do with the book. <laughs> yeah, well, we talked about this our very first, you know, because I read zombie books. Yeah. Um, and that's obviously a great one, right? Mm. And I was not happy with it. It 
and this is what's funny again context like i would have really enjoyed the movie probably if i hadn't read world war z mm-hmm. or it wasn't called world war z and nobody told me that that was the you know what i mean but i'm just like this is not this isn't right <laughs> was, yeah that was my that was my point to everybody that asked me how i liked it i was like i liked it i just wish they didn't call it world war z yeah. like just call it something else anything yeah adaptations are hard so my favorite um and i don't know if you're a hulu subscriber um the book 112263 i have not seen that or it's, know about it it's a stephen king book mhm it's probably my favorite book in the last 8 or 10 years okay um and i read a lot you know i read like 30 40 books a year um they did it as a mini series on Hulu. Like it was a Hulu original. Um, so that's also mini series. I want to say it was maybe eight episodes, you know, so they had eight or 10 hours to flesh it out or whatever it is. So that's more than just a feature. But, um, the premise of the, of the, of the book is this, and I highly recommend you check it out because it's just fascinating. You recommend the book or the, or the show first? Both. So, the, so my point, I was going to the book first, but I'm, my point is, is the show did a great job right of interpreting the book and Stephen King was involved in both. And so I think, I personally think he is the greatest modern American storyteller. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, I think he gets painted into a horror corner. Um, but people forget about Shawshank Redemption and stand by me and, you know, these kind of things, which the short story was called the body, but stand by B is based on this story called the body. Um, so, There's a guy that's in a small town in Maine, of course, and he's a school teacher and he's kind of a unimpressive, kind of uninteresting, you know, everybody kind of likes him, vanilla school teacher. And there's a diner that is a greasy spoon kind of place in the town he lives in. And the guy that runs it, um, people think it's a little weird and, you know, they don't really like him, but he likes the guy and kind of feels bad for him. So he patronizes the diner. He goes there every day or whatever. And gets eggs before he goes to school and or whatever it is. And he goes in one day and the guy comes out from the back room and he looks terrible. The guy that owns a diner. He looks like he's 15 years older. And the teacher is trying to figure out, like, what happened to you? Like, what's going on? So the guy tells him that in his pantry, in the back of his pantry there is a wormhole or whatever you want to call it, where when he walks out through it, you land in the middle of that same town in 1950 on this exact date and time in 1959. And no matter how long you stay in the past, when you come back through the portal to present day, it's only been two minutes in present day time. So you could go four years and then come back. And it was two minutes later if a person was sitting out in the, so basically from James, well, from James Franco plays the guy in the, in the, in the film, you know, he's gone. He's, he really is 12 or 14 years older and he's sick because he's been trying to go. So the base, and this is all in the first 30 pages of the book. I mean, it's not really ruining anything. So the, basically the guy says that, the Kennedy assassination is the 
the thing that basically caused a lot of of problems like that was sort of the the a trigger point in the past you know if 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 Johnson doesn't become president after Kennedy we probably are not all up to our ears in Vietnam and you know there's just all these things that go from it so he is built he's developing a plan to try to prevent Kennedy from being assassinated because he Mm. knows all the history but think about the level of commitment like because anytime you go back you land in like 59 so if you're going to go back and stop it you have to you're committing to going back for at least four years because you have to wait it out right until it gets closer to and fill in the gaps and what we don't know in history and sort of do all that stuff. And he sort of built up this book. And what's amazing about the story is, is I know it's like, Oh, Stephen King, the paranormal. But when you just think about the mechanics of you got to find a job, you've got to assimilate with 1950s and 60s society. You've got to explain to people where you came from. You've got to, and all the while you're doing this covert thing of like going, okay, who shot him? Where was it? How do I stop it? Like you can't stop it too early because the people that are planning will just have a contingency. So you have to almost wait right until it's about to happen and then try to stop it. And then what are the ramifications if you actually do stop it? Like, is that really a good thing? It's sort of that kind of, it's the, it's the, you know, the sort of alternate universe theory. Like, does it make things better or worse? You know, you're assuming it would, but it may not. But it's just amazingly crafted because the bulk of the story is this guy's, you know, this guy's moving through another time with this mission in mind. And then he meets people and develops relationships and you have to deal with that human condition, like of, you know, whatever. And it's just, the story is just so well crafted. It's amazing. I think I remember seeing previews for it now that you like a lot. When you said James Franco and the whole uh, stopping Kennedy's assassination, that triggered uh, me remembering some of the previews being on TV. So, and I remember thinking it was interesting looking. So, I need to check out this book. I put it, I just put it on my Amazon wish list. Same thing with Under the Dome. I don't know if you read Under the Dome. Mm-mm. The TV show was shit. It's the exact opposite. But again, the human condition, right? That's his deal. So the under the dome premise, first two pages of the book, this little town in Maine, shocker, um, (laughs) an invisible, impenetrable dome, like a force field like dome, drops on the town. And the story is really about what do people do in that? Like you're cut off from, you know what I mean? Like you can't, you can't leave. And it's like the breakdown of society, right? Like, you know, you can see through the dome. You see when people figured out the military shows up and whatever, and no one can get in it. And all of a sudden you just look around and you and these like 1500 people that live in this town are, it's like Lord of the flies, right? Like you're nothing in, nothing out. People challenging the police and challenging the mayor. It's like, well, we're going to die in here. Like, why should we respect any level of authority? And, you know, just, it's just, it's so well done. It's just like watching it just deteriorate like it would if you did that. Like, I mean, if you basically, you know, threw people onto an Island and said, see ya, <laughs> you know, it's wild, man. And and we've always had, as people had an obsession of just like, uh, like what, what really happens when the lawlessness comes along, you know, when, when things got bad enough, like maybe that's why we also like zombie movies so much. Cause it gets to that point of, well, now the world's falling apart and only, you know, only a few survive kind of thing. Who's who's got, uh, I guess, not really the upper hand, but who's got um, who's got, who, you know, who's got the most control over what? Um, so. Yeah, I think and I think that it's interesting because I think that even though you hear a lot of bravado out of people all the time about what they would do and mm-hmm. I'd kick their ass and I'd. 
I think those kinds of films or those kinds of books are really the most poignant because I think people internally in their internal dialogue really think to themselves, what would I do in that circumstance or how would I respond? And are probably hopeful that they would be more human. Yeah. Right. Then a lot. And I know there are people that wouldn't be, but you know, I mean, that's sort of the thing. It's like, well, what do I do there? Or again, these morally ambiguous things like these other movies, you know, I've talked about like, if you have children in that scenario and they start doing rationing or if you have a kid that's got that's diabetic and you've only got so much insulin and I mean, what do you, what do you do? Like what, where's the, what's, what's the, what's the line between betraying the society that you live in and saving your child? Like how does one make that decision? Those are tough. You know, do I steal insulin from a 80 year old man that's got diabetes and has taken it when I have an eight year old that has it and they're going to die? Like that's a really effing hard question. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's authority, authority and law, lawless or not lawless, but authority and rules removed kind of thing. Like everybody thinks they'll act a certain way, but you don't know until you're in that situation. It's just like it's just like being in a fight. Like everybody thinks they're going to handle it a certain way. Or if you're in a a situation where someone someone pulls a a weapon, you know, you're like, I would tackle that dude. It's like, no, you probably freeze in place because your body can't or your mind can't comprehend what's going on. You know, and that's that's why people freeze in in those moments, because, you know, and and I've always been kind of obsessed with the psychology of all that. It's just like like fight or flight, that whole sort of like stress response, that kind of stuff. Right. Because most usually if anyone's going to do anything about it, they do it immediately. They don't sit there and think about it for a second. They go, all right, one, a two, a three. And they go, you know, it's it's one of those like immediately they just charge at the person and do something about it or they just freeze and they just can't move because they're so shocked that that's going on well it's the burning building scenario right my -hmm. baby's in there are you the person that would without thinking about it light out and charge into the building or are you the person that wouldn't i don't think either one's a wrong answer i don't think so either i i don't think the person that doesn't go in is you know like an asshole but, right. But people people react to that scenario very differently. Yeah. I mean, not being in the, I, I don't I can't say what I would do in that situation obviously, but just sitting here thinking about it now I'd be like what's going to stop me from being like, "All right, well, what floor, you know, what yeah. <laughs> follow-up questions." And I'm just like, "Oh, yeah." I'd be like, "Hang on, let me get my recorder out. Let me uh, This could be a podcast." Um, Take a left at the end of the hall. All right. But, I, you know, but I actually go the opposite route. Like, I know it's funny to do the br- the bravado thing, and people always tend to do that because I think people like to say things out loud to try to build themselves up. Like, you know, one of my favorite phrases is, who are you trying to convince? You know what I mean? When people are talking, this, like, you're not trying to talk, convince me, you're trying to convince yourself. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I hear about these stories, like guys that win, like, the Medal of Honor and stuff. Dude, I think I would be a coward. Like, I hear Except- about the, I, I mean... I guess because I feel like those guys are superheroes. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I think about the guy that, you know, they're in a firefight and, you know, I can't remember the guys. It wasn't Dakota Meyer, but one of the guys that won the Medal of Honor a few years ago, either in Afghanistan and, you know, they get ambushed and these guys are elevated. You know, they're in a terrible tactical situation and their their point guy, the guy out front gets hit and he's laying out there and homeboy just runs out and grabs him. You know what I mean? Like, guns you know just exposes himself to try to save his squad mate you know gets shot like three times but somehow manages to drag the guy back to cover like i you know i again like i don't 
it's really not me sort of poor mouthing myself. I, I just don't know if I would have that. It's one of those things like I, I would hope that I would, but I, I couldn't possibly look at someone in the face and go, I would do the same thing. Like, I don't know. I could might be behind a rock, like crying and peeing myself. Yeah. yeah. I, I really don't know. I mean, I really don't know. Well, it's one of those situations too. If like you want to, you want to ask yourself, or you want to ask like, and, and a lot of times people who win those medals or, or who, who earn those medals, like when you, when they're asked to recount those things, sometimes they don't even remember. Cause there's like, so, so it's like, wow, is it a, is it a, I'm, 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 I've not lost my mind, but is it extreme focus or is it just kind of like blank, just getting it done? Like you're, you're getting something done in, in a state of shock. You're just kind of like, I'm well, but, just... but we also remember they have training, right? So that's also something that doesn't, right? So they are conditioned to be able to deal with those, you know, types of scenarios. I mean, I, I say the same thing about like ER surgeons, you know, like an eight year old that's been in a car accident that comes in and you're trying to save that person's life. Like same thing, like they're trained and they deal with that. But like, I, even if, like, I try to think like, oh, even if I knew what I was doing, like I would probably be so overwhelmed by the whole scenario that I wouldn't know what to do. It's like, Oh my God, all of a sudden I'm responsible for, you know, I have an opportunity to save this kid's life. And what if I don't? And you know, it's just like, it's, it's mind bending to think about stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, my friend that I was just hanging out with this past week, uh, my buddy sheets, he's, you know, he's been on the show several times and yeah. we used to do a radio show together and now he's a respiratory therapist and his wife is a nurse. And just to hear some of their stories and to just like some of the things that kind of skeeve me out, they're just kind of like, eh, whatever. Like <laughs> you just, uh, they become so numb to it and you're just kind of like, that doesn't weird you out at all. They're like, nah. Yeah, I have a good friend that was a cop. It's kind of the same thing. Like he talks about just things they found and things they saw, and it's just you know they you learn how to you learn how to deal with it. And again, I'm just like I just think maybe you're a better man than I am. I mean, I don't know. I've only had one situation like that in my life, and I feel like I responded to it really well. And it's when I was uh, young, much younger, which is also probably part of it. But um, you know, I saw a guy like beating up his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and, I mean, I, you know, and he wasn't like full on, you know, but he was holding her by her arm and slapping her and pushing her around out, yeah. outside of a, outside of a club one night. Mm. And I saw it and just lit out and I was like, Hey, you know, and just start screaming at the guy. And by the time I got over there, I was like, uh Oh, like you're committed. <laughs> you're committed now. You know what I mean? Like you have just injected yourself into this situation. And clearly the guy is, I mean, if, you know, and I don't know, they say it's other, sometimes those people are cowards or whatever, but it's like, you know, I don't know, this guy could have a gun, this guy could have a knife, like, this, this could go a lot of ways, you know, um, but I just, you know, I saw it, and that was my reaction, was to try to stop it, but, you know. I mean, so, so who knows, maybe you think you might, you know, in, a, in another situation, you might be scared, but it might be one of those things of just, like, before you realize what's going on, your body has already started the process of, saving this person from being out in open gunfire or something like that you know it's yeah but the difference i think though where i think i i'd probably still probably end up being a coward is when i made the decision to go over there like i never thought that there was a threat you know what i mean like i was just thinking like it wasn't until i got there that i was like oh god this guy could hurt me whereas in those other scenarios it's like i know if i go out there i'm gonna probably get shot like when i when i ran when i walked or you know moved over there and yelled at the guy like i wasn't thinking like he's gonna do anything to me i didn't sort of realize that until later yeah. And I think you'd be keenly aware in the other scenario, like what was going on, like, you know, sure. this, whatever. So 
I mean, I don't know, but it, you know, I th- again, I I just say I think I, you're hopeful that you make good decisions in those scenarios, but I just don't. I mean, that's why I'm just you know people that people when you hear heroic stories, I mean, I just have crazy respect for those p- people that do these things because I don't know if I would have the balls to do some of the things that you hear about people doing. But it's and it's always like it always seems like the people that do it are never like the overly macho dudes. You know what I'm saying? Not. Like. Yeah. I mean, it never it never seems like it is. It's one of those things like I don't know if it's, uh, you know, a, a something in me or whatever. Like I tend to trust someone who will admit that they would be scared. Like I would trust you in a situation. I feel like more than I would trust some guy who'd be like, oh, I'll tell you what I would do. <laughs> I would go over there and whip that dude's ass and take the gun away from him and hit him with it. You know, it's kind of <laughs> like, well. I'm probably going to trust the dude who says he's probably going to be scared as shit, you know, a little more just because at least he knows that there's an element of danger involved. You don't seem to be processing the fact that there's danger involved in this whole scenario. You're just going to walk up to Jean-Claude Van Damme and disarm him. (laughs) Right. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. And there's a, but that's the other thing, universal truth for anybody. If you ever find yourself in a rumble in a group fight, the guy you need to be worried about is the dude standing in the back that's not saying anything. Mm-hmm. The guy making the most noise is usually not the guy that's going to cause you the most trouble. That dude that's in the back just watching and looking and looking mad and being super quiet, that's the dangerous dude. <laughs> just waiting for his opportunity. hundred times out of a hundred, right? Because the people with the most gas, I mean, that's the thing. It's the more somebody talks about it, usually the more, you know what I mean? It's like that stuff just... That stuff is just like, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just, I'm not, I'm an eye roller. You know what I mean? Like when you, and again, I think, you know, you're the same. We grew up in similar towns, right? These sort of like rural, but close enough to the city kind of towns. Yeah. Where we know a hundred of those guys. Right. I would have whipped his ass. I'm like, oh really? Like, I, you know what I mean? Like I just, I roll and I'm just like, okay, whatever. <laughs> you know what I do, Sean Arnold? I stay home and drink. That's that's what I do. I just don't even bother anymore. And that's why I love you. Um, <laughs> well, I was going to talk about the beer stuff. We're going to do that for next time because you're obviously in the rotation. But uh, yeah, I appreciate you taking a little time. Like normal, we logged a good one. We're at 202 right now. So yeah. uh, it's pretty solid. Um, thank you for uh, putting yourself in the opposite chair. <laughs> Anytime, um, man. I love doing it. For uh, my uh, And thanks for the you know, the invite to the first podcast and the, uh, inspiration, because this is, this is something that's become really, really fun for me. And, uh, you are, you are largely responsible. Well, I, I, I will say, I'm sorry then. I'm very (laughs) sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. I got you obsessed. No, it's a, it's definitely a good thing. It's definitely well, a good thing. Well, cool, man. I, I'm, I'm more than happy to do it. Just let me know. And uh, I'm sure I'll have you back on my show soon. I, once I figure out why my website's not there. <laughs> uh, I, I'm Hopefully, by the time everybody out there hears this, LopezRadio.com will be there. Please, it go check it out. It definitely will be. This has happened to me before. It'll take about 20 minutes for the DNS to resolve. Once you give them some money, it'll be fine. So, yeah. uh, everybody, thanks a lot for sticking around. Again, my name is Sean Arnold. This is Too Much Information with Sean Arnold. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter at at Sean, A-T-L, S-H-A-W-N-A-T-L. And uh, definitely check out uh, Jeremy's podcast um, on Twitter. He's at Lopez Radio. And uh, when uh, he takes care of his debt, it'll be LopezRadio.com. So uh, thanks, Jeremy. I appreciate you st-
stopping by, and uh, I will see you guys again. Until next time, press on. Thank <laughs> you.